this morning, I want to talk to you about something that a lot of people don't want to talk about today. A lot of churches don't want to talk about it today. It's called staying pure. And, you know, when we look at our society and we look where we're going and what's happening in our society, you can see a lot of things that just aren't right. I mean, I'm talking about. And, you know, we ha- and here's the question I have after. We have to ask the question, are there great, re- are great relationships possible? Have you ever thought about that with your marriage? When you're at a bad point in your marriage, you go, is it possible just even to have a good marriage anymore? Can we even agree on one thing? Can we ever, can I just, let me give you the answer. Are there, are, I'm going to ask you, are there great, relation, or great relationships possible? Can I just give you a real honest answer? No, they're not. They're not possible if you're following the world's way. You see, what this series is all about, what we're trying to share with you this morning is this. I'm going to be sharing this message to every campus. I'm just letting you know. You're, you're not the guinea pig. You're the first campus that I'm sharing with. Zach and Josh are sharing about marital conflict, which I'm like, I was telling Jamie, said, boys, Zach's been married eight years. Josh has been married 13 years. I go, they're like in rumper room. They haven't had teenagers that try to rebel on them. They haven't had, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, they haven't paid for car insurance other than for themselves. You know, you know what I mean? Hey, when you have little kids, that's the easiest part. We think, you know, getting up in the middle of the night, that's just a prerequisite what's going to happen when you get older and you're waiting up for them at night. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. But, but here's the thing. Relationships can be great if you follow God's way. And that's what I want to talk about. There's a, there's a portion in the Bible. There's a book called Lamentations. And I'm going to read right there. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, just, it's, it's a book where the prophet Jeremiah is just lamenting. He's sharing. He's sharing some things that are in his heart. And he just begins to say, he goes, I remember my affliction and my wondering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them and my soul downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind. And therefore, I have hope. L- let me just say this. Wherever your marriage is, I want to let you know this. You can have hope again. You can have hope again. And see, because the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God delights to show mercy Every day. The best part of God's day is not waking up to Maxwell. Coffee. The greatest, what is it, Folgers, whatever it is. I don't, I don't know. Thank you for crying. You know, the God's greatest delight and his greatest joy every day is the best part of his day when he, when he gives you a fresh start every day. He gives, you a, he gives me and you a fresh start. See, every day you can, you can have from this day forward moment. You see, I want to talk, we're going to be talking the next couple of weeks. There's four things we're going to be giving, we're going to be talking about is commitments in marriage. The first one is you seek God. He should be our first priority. Is that what you shared last week? God shared, God, Pastor Jamie shared last week. You know, just the first priority is that it's God. And then your mate, there's number two. You understand? Because when, I, when you went down that aisle and you committed to God, you didn't commit to your mate to be faithful and true. You committed to God first. 
Maybe you weren't thinking that way, but that's really what the marriage, it's a covenant. It's a vow. It's saying, God, till death do us part. Now, some of you go, Lord, you know, sometimes I haven't thought about divorce, but I have thought about murder. (laughs) But here's the thing. And and the other thing is, it's, it's the second thing is you got to learn to fight fair. Yeah, we all have conflict. How many of you've ever? How many of you ever had? Okay, how many? How many of you been married more than a week? That means you've had conflict. Okay, it's just you know what? When you're dating, you really don't know each other because you're on your best behavior. I always tell married couples: when you see your mate, your future mate at the worst, multiply that times thirty because that's the real them. Because, see, here's the thing. We know how to talk like Christians, but do we know how to respond like a Christian? There's a big difference. Because I've seen people can have all the right words, say all the right things, and then you just kind of like do something or something happens to them that's not quite right. And something comes out of them and you go, oh, whoa. You see... And another thing is, in marriage, you got to have fun. How I many you know what I'm talking about? You have to have fun. Y'all don't look cranky when I'm saying have fun. See, here's the thing. Romance doesn't stay. Look. Romance doesn't stay on fire. That means you got to, sometimes you got to get the logs and stir up the coals and put the, and get the embers ready and put those logs on it and it catches fire. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How I many you know marriage needs revival every once in a while? Sometimes you go, how did I, why? You ever have this moment, like, how did I fall in love with them? Listen, if you don't make a weekend or if you make something, you know, do something, men, look at me. Don't just sit around and think everything's going to be fine if you're not putting into it. See, you know what, can I tell you something? If you're not putting anything out, it's like a bank account. It's like the more you put in, the more you can withdraw. But some couples and some men are, are overdrawn. They got overdrafts. Their wife's like, Mabel and her husband are going out again. What do we do? We just sit around, watch NFL, not for long. I mean, you know, just all this other stuff. You go fishing, you go hunting, but what's in it for me? Listen, right before hunting season, I'm doing a whole lot of favors for my wife. I don't know. I'm not kidding you because I'm building a bank account. And about the second split, I can tell. It's kind of like she's starting to like, baby, you've been going. Baby, I've gone less than last year. You say that every year at this time of the year. (laughs) And see, another thing is, and I'm going to talk about this morning, just to stay pure. You want a great relation? You better define the principle of what pure is all about. And here's the last thing. And this is for free. Never give up. Just never give up. How many of you know you just can't give up? See, there's a lot of people that we come, some of us come from marriages that were broken or we had a marriage before and we just, someone in the marriage gave up. Saw no hope. So no, or maybe you're in a point right now, you're like, I feel like giving up, Pastor Bubba. I'm just, it's hard. And see, Hebrew says that marriage should be honored. That's what God set up. God set up marriage. And he says, by all. 
and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all sexual and all the sexual sexually immoral. I, I could give a bunch more scriptures on immorality, impurity, on sexual immorality. And I could give you a lot more, but I, I, I mean, that's a good one. God is not, let me just say that God is not a restrictive God. He wrote everything in his word, not for his benefit, but look at me, I want to show you, but for your benefit. But for your benefit. How many have children? How many, there's things that can benefit them if they would just listen and they'd get blessed, Right? But if they go outside of what you've told them to do or the parameters and they do stuff and you, you know, you kind of maybe number one, maybe you didn't give the parameters or you didn't instruct them that like I came home the other night. Literally, I thought my wife was going to kill my son. He's 12 years old. He went to the, the gully with all of his friends. I'm just driving home, me and Nathan driving home. And, and she has this look on her. She goes, oh, mama, I can't find Nathan. I mean, Nathan, that's all the lie. But Luke, I can't find Luke. I'm like, just where is he? He's at the gully. I went down there and he's not there. Oh, my God. Someone got him. Someone killed him. I just know. And I'm going, I'll go to the gully. I get down here and I go, you stay here. She's already going to the other boys' houses, talk to them. Their mothers are riled up. They're all like, someone took them. Because see... She had told him to be back in 30 minutes. But it had been an hour and a half. Okay, come on, mamas. You know what I'm talking about. I'm driving. I see one of his buddies, Cole. And I go, Cole, what's his name? Luke's coming, Pastor Bubba. All right, so I see Luke. And I said, son, you better get in his truck. Because your mother is about to skin your hide what did I do? Mama told you to be back in 30 minutes. No, she didn't. Son, don't you, brother, don't. Look, I'm just picking you up. Don't get me involved in this. You know, please. So I bring him back and she's like, where have you been? I, I'm coming back to the message, I promise. Where have you been? In the gully, mom. Where did you go? Nathan goes, he went way back there. Shut up. You're not in this. Where are the parents? You know what I mean? <laughs> he went by Zach's old house. And, and he looked, Nathan goes, that's far. And my, my wife goes, that's not far. Anyway, <laughs> you couldn't hear me. You couldn't know. Did you know that? I, Mom, you didn't tell me 30 minutes. I, I did. I go, did you? I, I'm no, well. Okay, I found out what happened. He didn't understand the instructions and she didn't make it real clear. Now, look, I've done that in marriage. Are you hearing me? I've assumed something. Come on. And the other one thought that I did. And you know how men are women. We get that glazed look on us when you're talking a long time and we just go, uh, and we don't hear nothing. Come on. All the women said. Man, well, I'm going to help y'all. Okay? But what happens is, 
God set up everything for my benefit and for your benefit. It's whether or not we communicate. Are you here? And God's word. Listen, as a Christian, can I just give you an ex- just a hint? This is called the B-I-B-L-E. It's made for you and me. The Bible. You know, it's amazing. I can come to our church and our campus and I expect everybody to be in the Bible every day. But can I tell you something? If you're not in the Bible, you're not going to understand. When, and you know what? When people give their opinions, I've learned this. It's not always, I don't have to always listen to people's opinions. I need to find out what the word of God says. Are you hearing me? And if you're not in it, because see, it's like this. If you want to become intimate with God, it might be good to pick up the book and find out who he really is and what his heart is. And I hear people go, you know, the Old Testament, that's God's wrath and he's mean. And I'm like, man, a God, I'm, I'm thinking you haven't read the Bible. You don't know. When I look at God, I look at mercy and grace and long suffering. I, I mean, I mean, you just see those things. You see, the Bible says in Ephesians, but among you, there must be not even a hint of sexual immorality. In Thessalonians, it says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. You know, that's a big kind of word. That means means set apart. That you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Not in a passionate, uh, not passionate lust like the heathen. Who do not know God. For God did not call us to be pure, impure, but to live a a, a holy life. Sexual morality, when you look at the Greek, now that's that's when you go back as a a Christian going through Bible college, I learned how to look up the Greek, okay? I, I I didn't take any Greek courses, but I know how to look up the Greek. And when you can look up the Greek, you can see the meaning of a word. And that word right there in sexual immorality, it really means this. It means pornoa, pornea, where you get the root word called pornography. And what also it says, it means this. Any sex outside of marriage is design. It means lust. It means, I'm just going to say it, it means homosexuality, living together. See, it's not. Can I just say, this is not me or, you know, like I'm a, I'm one of those preachers, you know, that's just the way it is. No, that's not me. This is what the word of God says. Are you hearing me? It's not what the news says. It's not what Fox News, uh, CNN, communist broadcasting systems, all those other things. But here's the thing. You don't, you don't follow feelings. They will lie to you. You have to base, we have to base our life on the truth of the word of God. You see, everybody, listen to me, man, especially you. Everybody, I think once a month, you should read three Proverbs a month. It's not just for your whole Bible. Proverbs five, six, and seven. What what do you mean, Pastor? But why? You know, Proverbs five, eight says, just keep a path. Keep, keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. It talks about how should a young man keep his way pure. It talks about, it talks about in, in Proverbs 7. I try to read a proverb every day. There's 31, there's 31, day, 31 proverbs and you can read at least 31 a month. 
When I read, when I get to Proverbs 7, I know it's about the adulterous woman, but really it's the spirit of the enemy that tries to lure a young man away from his home. And and she's saying, I've I've put mints and myrrh and clover and everything on my bed and I'm waiting for you. And it's like the devil talking to you. See, when it comes to sexual sin, let me just say this. Here's my motto. Run, Forrest, run. Run, Bubba, run. Put your name in there. You see, it just says flee it. I mean, I mean, in 1 Corinthians 6, it says flee from sexual immorality. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. See, if you're not a Christian, let me just tell you what you get. You get the right to make decisions you want to about your own body. If you're not a Christian, you make your own decisions. But if you're a Christian, our body's not our own. We don't own ourselves anymore. We gave God our life and our best. Come on, are y'all with me? Don't, don't. You know, we gave our we gave our life our best and he gave us his life and his best. I don't own myself. See, I want to illustrate this message. Bring that far away around. Bring it over here, man of God. Now, you see, I want to what I want to do is I want to build today. Thank you, man of God. I want to build. You can sit down. Thank you. I can build. I want to build a fire this morning. Is that all right? All right. I'm going to build a fire this morning. Come on. I'm, I'm trying. All right. Here we go. Okay. There you go. How's that? That look good? Come on. Y'all give me a hand. I tried my best. All right. Thank you. Put it down. All right. Here's the thing. Now, what I want to do, who's got a match? Anybody get a lighter? I'm finding out who smokes in here. No, just trying. No, no, I'm not trying to. Here's the thing. For me, how many of you know, how many of you you know, when it's cold outside, it's okay to have a fire outside. Come on. All right. But here's the thing. I want I want to give you no shame. I hope you won't forget this. I don't think you will. The problem is not the fire. But where I decide to burn it. Now, see, for me to come in here and go, hey, man, come on, we're going to it was a little cool this morning and I'm the heat's working good in here. I can tell. But you know what? Some of you, some of you ladies, you have cold hands and cold feet and y'all just need to warm them up this morning. Or some of you got cold booties. My wife loves us standing at a fire like this. And Cheryl knows Cheryl's holding her hands with her. You know, and but here's the problem. See. The problem is, is that the thing is, the, this is not a problem by itself, right? But can I, but what happens is, can I contain this when I light it? See, the problem is not the fire, it's the containment. And it's where you, where you put the fire. What you do with the fire. You see, the message of the church is, has been, Stop! Don't have a fire. 
But that's not the message of the Bible. What do you mean, Pastor? Brother? God created passion in every one of us, right? Come on. Okay, let me ask you a question. Who invented sex? Some of y'all just said, y'all not saying nothing. I ain't saying nothing. I can't even believe he used a word in the church. That's the problem. We need to use it more often. Okay? Here's the thing. It's, it's not the fire. It's, it's those passions. We're putting passions in the wrong place. God wants you to be passionate. I mean, believe God wants you to be passionate. It's fine. You know, it's fine to have passions. It's not fine to have those passions in the wrong place. It's just not. A fire is not good inside of a, on the, on the stage this morning at Eunice. Are you hearing me? Why? Because see, God doesn't condemn you for what you feel, but he, but those feelings, because he put those feelings inside of you. See, I'll just say this. Passions need parameters. And that's why you need to find what the parameters, and don't just take my word for it, take God's word for what his parameters are, because he built the parameters. Are you hearing me? Not for his good, but for your good. See, God has a standard, and that makes those passions burn brighter and brighter. As Christians... I, I'll just say that we should be the most passionate people there on the face of the earth. You know, like, hey, you a Jesus freak. My question is, whose freak are you? <laughs> See, Galatians said, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature. Listen to me to the cross and crucified them there. Purity matters. You know that over 70% of men are addicted to pornography? That are pastors? We all end up somewhere because we built the fire in the wrong place. Four things, I'm going to give you four things that will give you parameters Impurity, you know, if you don't have the notes, get them. But I just want to go. I'm going to go quick. It's going to be real simple, real easy. So you can remember the first is make a commitment to God's standards. What does that mean? Pastor Baba, God says some things in his word that are not popular in culture. And look at me. I'm not going to stop speaking the word of God and I may get in trouble. I may go to jail. I may. I'm not doing it to go do that. I don't I'm not doing it to be a martyr. But when it comes to the word of God, I'm going to talk as God. Listen, as God, he has exclusive rights to determine what containment means or what it is. He has exclusive rights. Listen, let me tell you, if your car or your truck breaks down. The two most unread books in the world are the Bible. Most people have it, but they don't read it. It sits on the coffee table, cuts dust, or some people use it for they have a three legs on their couch and it's an extra couch. I had a friend like that. But listen, you let your car, your truck break down. It's the other book. It's called the owner's manual. You're trying to figure it out. Well, why is that light on? Why is the check engine light? Why is that oil light? Cause you didn't put no oil in it. It ain't gonna last long. See, here's the thing. 
Don't pull out this when it's 911. If you follow the instructions, your life will run right. It'll all be good for you. Here as a pastor, I want I want everyone in here to be blessed. Can I just say that? How many say, I'll receive a blessing? Okay? Listen, only good-looking people come to our Savior's church. So when I'm out looking at the crowd, it's some good-looking folk up in here. But here's the problem. People ask me all the time, Pastor Bubba, what do you think about that political debate on sexuality? I had two guys yesterday. We were at the, uh, I was at the Jenny's campus. They had a work day. They were clearing trees and doing stuff in the parking lot and expanding things. And, and, and you know, one of the guys come in. I'm just going to tell you what he said. Pastor Bubba, uh, I saw there was this, this bishop, and she's over the, the Presbyterian church, and she's, she's a bishop, and she's living in a homosexual lifestyle. And I go, no, that's not, that's not it. She's a Methodist. Because I read the story. And her and her partner, now what they want to do is they want to take all the crosses out of the church. And they're going to put an arrow where it marks, where it points to Mecca. Okay, I'm like, first of all, maybe what she needs to do with one of them crosses is swallow it. And maybe it'll get to her heart. He can pass above, but what do you think about that? And I have people ask, what do you think about all that? I'll just say, I'll tell you what's important. God has spoken. I don't even have a thought. What do you mean? If you're a follower of Christ, stop having an opinion. (laughs) And go, I know what the word of God says. It's not, you know, my opinion doesn't really matter. The word of God says this. And that's my opinion. In fact, I don't even have, even if I have an opinion and I don't agree with it, it's his opinion and I better say, I'm sticking to it. Even if it doesn't feel good, even if culture doesn't make you feel good, even if culture makes me feel funny, come on. Psalm says it like this. Are y'all with me this morning? I'm in the right. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure by living according to the word? The Bible says the word of God is active. It's sharper. This book tells me how to be a good husband, how to be a good daddy, how to be a a follower of Jesus, how to lead other men, how to be a leader, how to be humble. If you walk in pride, you don't get what you're really looking for anyway, so you better be humble. The second thing is, let me just say, Before I go there, I'm calling you to follow God's way. Look at me. God's way is right. God's not against you. God is for you. God has benefits. He's just waiting to load you down with. The second thing is manage your mind. I got to manage my mind. You know, there's thoughts that wander away from God and leave no room for God. And those lead to sin or confusion. And then there's thoughts that, you know, you go, God... I need my thoughts to be, I'm having all these stinking, thinking things going on in my mind. And sometimes when I've even read the Bible, I've had the most vile, most gross thoughts come to my mind. Really? We're praying for you, Pastor Baba. How many of you ever wanted to make a commitment to pray? And you go to pray and you get on your knees and you fall asleep. And you go, God, forgive me. You're praying. <laughs> Don't, I've learned this after serving the Lord for 35 years. I've done that. I've fallen asleep, had gruel on my Bible. 
You know what I do when I pray? I just walk around. Let's go do a prayer walk. Management, all impurity begins right here. Can I just tell you something? I've had good, well, pastor, it's just a one night stand. Really? No, it wasn't. It was a two, two week stand because you were thinking about it before you did it. You know, singles, you have to monitor your media intake. You have to decide what you're going to watch and what you're going to listen to. You see, if you're, it's like I shared a while ago, if the devil's got a hook for you and it's shining, he's casting it and he's kind of getting by the stump of your life, don't bite it. It's like that. I don't know if you heard me. I was talking to a guy yesterday. It's like that Nigerian preacher that I'm friends with. He goes, you know, Pastor Baba, the devil, he's wicked. He's mean. Devil means you drop the D, he's evil. You drop the E, he make you, you become vile. You drop the V, you will get ill. And if you drop the I, you will go to L. He said, but when the devil comes and he puts his finger in your mouth and he plays, and then you don't mess with it, he puts two, three, then he gets a hand and he pulls you where you go, where he wants you to go. The problem with most Christians, they don't know how to bite the devil's hand right off. (laughs) There's a lot of truth in that. And see, here's the thing. If you're not filtering your internet, if you're not filtering your mind by the word of God, that's not smart. Job says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully on a woman. Psalm says, I will set my eyes, my eyes on no vile thing. You need to be proactive and not reactive. You got to make a decision. I'm not doing that. Look at me. You know what I have on my face? For another woman that wants to get intimate with me? No. Did I decide that? No, I decided that when I got married. That doesn't mean I'm not going to be friendly. I won't talk to you. But I have a no on my face. That doesn't mean the devil hasn't tempted me. That doesn't mean there was situations where something could have happened. Are you hearing me? But I had to, I had to make a big no. When it comes to the internet, you got to put a no on it. Listen, I'll talk about it in a minute. You need to be proactive. See, let me just say, it has taken 16 years to build the church that, I'm, that we're doing. We started in Jennings here and in Crowley. Over the last, the last week, we had 757 people on all three campuses. Isn't that awesome? Okay, that's God. But that, that represents, you know, well, that's numbers. We all doing it for, no, we're not doing it for numbers. That means that there are people that are finding hope in Jesus. Marriages are being healed. Kids that are maybe like a teenagers that are prodigals are coming home to Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not about the numbers. It's about God. That number represents people. And people represent God doing something. And see, it's taken 16 years to, to, to build this church. Can I just tell you, I'm one bad decision from destroying it all. One bad decision. 
Well, can I talk to a guy yesterday? I told him, he said, you know what, bro? We're all one step from stupid. He goes, pastor, I'm in, he goes, I'm two steps into stupid right now. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, brother, we got a long way for counseling. Anyway, here's the thing. The third thing, magnify the consequences. The consequences. Yeah, Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 describes to you everything you will lose if you stay, say yes to the wrong things. You will lose everything you've worked for. I would encourage you to sit down and make a list of what would happen if you blew it sexually. I've done that. Can I tell you? I've done that. I see the men that speak in my life. I see my wife and I'm going to say, and I don't care what you think. If I got off of plane and I went overseas, which I do, which I'm going to be doing in a couple of weeks and I go and I blow it sexually and I confess to my wife, the spirit of Lorraine Bobbitt will be on her when the plane lands. Okay. You understand me? I can repent all that, but it doesn't change how she may feel. You understand what I'm saying? Pastor Jacob would pimp slap me. Jamie would be over there like, Pastor, what? Why'd you do that? Josh and you imagine what it would do. First of all, I can't imagine the conversation I would have with my wife. How about my kids? That I have to have a conversation with my sons. I have, I have older sons. I have one that's going to go through puberty right now. How do I tell him? How, how do, if I share, you know, this is how a young man keeps his way pure, son. Well, dad, how would that affect? Then I would have to go to the church. You would find out. People go, Pastor Jamie, what kind of guy did you follow? But then the most important, what do I do with God? I always think about it. My, I mean, when there's a great cloud of witnesses, I always go, Lord, just let my grandmother's hand come and pull my ear like she used to and pull out the switch and whip my booty to get my attention. Are you hearing me? Proverbs says this. It says, but a man who commits adultery lacks judgment. And look what it says. Whoever does this destroys himself. Listen, passion in, passion in the problem is containment. The last thing is maintain proper relationships. I got to nurture the good ones and get away from the bad ones. So do you. How I many you know in your marriage or some people as married couples, you just don't need to hang out with them. And sometimes either one of the spouses has said, he's like, baby, they, they not lifting us up. They're dragging us down. You know, you need to have a conversation. I learned a long time ago. If, if it wasn't for Tracy, my love for Tracy Every day I would be reminded, I, I would have to remind myself why I'm, not, why I'm not committing adultery. But the more I love her, I don't have to think that way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But the more I love her, the less I want to. It's the same way with God. I've learned this in my relationship. God's remained faithful even when I've been faithless. Can I just tell you, I can walk in lust, I can walk in anger, I can walk in all kinds of different things if I'm not in the word of God.
I told that to the church in Jennings last week. When I came down, I said, like, I do all those things. But if I'm not in the word of God and allowing the spirit of God to do something in my heart, I can be all, I can be all of that. Are y'all hearing me? Maybe you've never had a pastor tell you something like this, but there's a first time for everything. And I hope it's not the last time. You got to maintain proper relationship with your spouse. And those you're accountable to. Listen to me. I've invited. There's basically five men in my life that I'm accountable to. That I invited them to speak into my life. I talked to a, a great young man yesterday. Just had to bring some fatherly correction to him. And discipline. Loves God. But he's never had a man in his life bring discipline like I had to bring to him. If I want to err on anything, I want to err on grace. Okay? When it comes to discipline. But when there's biblical discipline, you got to bring it. Are you hearing me? And part of that, it was like, hey, look. And he says, what's what we got to see? And I saw the, I, I just went through the book of Hebrews. It talks about discipline during the season. Like a son, when he's being disciplined by his father, doesn't like it. It's kind of a hassle at times. But the fruit of discipline, what it brings into your life. And see, God wants us as pastors as with the men to treat you like a son and treat you like a daughter. Are you hearing me? And then we're to speak to you. We're to share with you. And I know Jamie has a passionate heart for Jesus and he loves Cheryl. And you know, Cheryl, listen, the worst thing Jamie can hear is Cheryl go, I'm calling Miss Tracy or I'm calling Pastor Bubba. Jamie's like, oh, Jesus, I repent right now. And can I tell you something? It's happened. You know why? It's not because, look, he's bigger than me. He can beat me up, all that stuff. But I say, come on, I got a gun. I'm a good shot. (laughs) I'll take his knees out. Anyway, on the physical side, that doesn't matter. Here's a question. Do you have someone that can speak into your life? Who are you accountable to? See, I'm a pastor that has a pastor by choice. There's a lot of pastors in America that don't have a pastor. And we probably have a lot less problems if they did. And even in Congress and in the Senate, if they let the real pastor do what he's supposed to do, there's a pastor in the Senate and the Congress, and they could go to him like they should, we probably have a lot less problems than we have. And I invite these men to confront me. You know, in our office, in our central office in Jennings, we have glass doors for every pastor's office. I designed that on purpose. Why? Because whatever's going on in here is transparent to the rest of the world. That's the message. We have nothing to hide. So we don't want to give the devil a chance. Can I say, I don't want to give the devil a chance around here. How about you? Proverbs says, he who walks with the wise grows wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. It's just the Bible. The Bible's so filled with wisdom. I have three responses today that you can have by what I'm sharing. And here they are. The first one is you can be defensive. You might be saying something like this. You know what? Well, it's not that bad. That's the Bible. I can handle this. 
Oh, really? Well, I have a nice wife. Well, the other person, well, I got a mean wife. I know we're living together, but, you know, it's cheaper. Oh, y'all got quiet on that one. I'll miss my social, I'll miss my, my, my check. Hold on, wait a minute. Your check is more important than obeying the word of God? We have so messed up people's minds and their hearts by, and we, we try to bring morality by a check. Well, you don't know, you're not from where I'm, I don't care. No, I'm not. But you know what? God knows what you're going through. God knows. I believe this. If you honor God, God will honor you. God will bring provision. You're coming up with, can I tell you, what happens is you come up with every reason to justify why the way you are. When really, can I just tell you what that is? That's rebellion. And what you need to ask God, God, soften my heart. You say, man, Pastor, I didn't know you were that mean. I'm not trying to be mean. But if your house is on fire and no one get to you, and I got to beat the door, knock the door down, bust your bedroom door and shake you, like, it's not nice. It's not fun. It's not convenient, but it's the most loving thing I can do to save you. Do y'all get it? The second thing is there needs to be remorse. If you caught up, you know, just allowing the enemy to do things. See, here's, here's, here's how the devil works. And your mind goes, I'm nasty. I'm just nasty. I'm dirty. I'm nasty. I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm hopeless. And the devil goes, that's right. You nasty little whatever. I used to use the line, you're, you're nothing but a barnacle on the bottom of a shrimp boat in a Delcom Harbor. That's how good you are. You're part of the Eunice Mafia. I heard they have a, this work crew that call themselves a Eunice Mafia. I hadn't met them yet, but anyway, maybe they'll come get saved. Jamie looks like he was a part of it, but anyway. He looks like the Godfather. Put a double-breasted suit on him. I'm telling you. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. The devil does one and God does the other. See, condemnation says you're a sinner and there's no way out and you're stuck. You're not getting out. Where God says it like this. Wait a minute. Conviction says, yeah, you you are a sinner and God will provide a way out and you need help. But the thing I look at when I look at Paul and he writes to the churches, he says to the saints in Corinth. He didn't say to the sinners over there. He says to the saints. And see, when you get washed by the blood of Jesus, God, God looks at you. He doesn't look at you as a sinner, filthy rod. He looks at you as a child of his. You've accepted his son. I mean, the cross was the most cruel thing that ever happened. It was cruel. It was wrong what they did to Jesus. But Jesus was willing to pay the price that you and I wouldn't have to pay that price. And we could walk in freedom. 
And the last thing is, it's just repentance. Just let me tell you what repentance is. simply this. It's all it. God, you're right, and I need to change my mind and agree with you. <laughs> That's what repentance is. I'm wrong. God, your word is 